Welcome to Tea, Toast, and Theology. The thing that uh, strikes me is that how many of us remember um, the stories of parting the waters in the Old Testament? When you think of parting of waters, uh, which is the story that comes to your mind? Moses. The Red Sea? Moses. Yeah. Moses? Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. How about this story? Does this one come to your mind? No, not really, right? <laughs> right? It doesn't come to our mind. That story is so exciting. Right? It is cinematic. Right? Because there is all the king's men and all the king's horses with their chariots are following this uh, group of slaves being liberated. Right? This is cinematic. Right? That's why movies have been made about it. Right? And they go into this uh, uh, sea. And it's not just a river. It's a sea. Right? So everything is big. And then what happens? Moses goes like this in a real charismatic leader fashion, right? And what happens? What happens? The waters part and they go in and then something really interesting happens. That the waters close in and drown all the enemies. There is a part of us that really enjoys that part too. <laughs> right? So it is something that uh, we want to remember. It is a memorable story. Right? And then we have this story. 40 years have passed. What has happened over these 40 years? Now this is kind of interesting. That when that story was happening, you had a charismatic leader called Moses leading the way. Right? In those 40 years, what has that community done to itself? This community has found a way to structure, to formalize its religious expression. And what has it done? It has founded this idea of priests. Right? So instead of this charismatic leader with the armies on the back, right, and going like this and striking the water, now you have these very tamed priests who are dipping their toes into the water very nicely, properly, I'm sure, in a very cultured way, right? And what happens? The water is still apart. Right? But what have you done? As a community in 40 years, you have institutionalized religion. Guess what? The institutionalization of religion makes it completely non-memorable. You don't even remember that there is a story like that. Right? We remember it when the power of the movement of the Holy Spirit of God is leading us out, right? With a purpose. 
But by the time you have institutionalized everything, here's, here's the deal. The priests are tiptoeing into it, and the waters pass, right? Now, there's something significant about this. When did that story take place on the timeline? Now, the Moses one. Right, as they are leaving, as they are leaving, they are still a subjugated people and they have been liberated. And as they are leaving, this dramatic story of the parting of the waters happens. And this story is when they are about to enter the promised land, is when this story happens. Isn't that fun? That you have one story Right before, uh, right after they are liberated and le that's part of the liberation. And right when they are about to enter after 40 years, the promised land, same story. Same story. And I would argue we have that same story with water and this time not parting of the uh, uh, waters, but parting of the heavens at the time of Jesus' baptism, right? Very interesting, interesting symbolism there, right? And then you have Joshua, who's this young, energetic leader. Moses in 40 years has, has faded, right? But now there's this young, energetic leadership. We don't remember the young, energetic leadership. We don't remember the institutionalized expression of faith. But we do remember the power of what Moses did. But you see, the psalmist gets it right. Because the psalmist says, guess what? It wasn't Moses who did it. It wasn't the priests who did it. Who did it? God did it. God can take a desert and take and make it into a beautiful body of water. And God can take a beautiful body of water and turn it into a desert. It's the doing of God, not that of Moses or not that of the priests. The psalmist gets it right. And he gets another point right. That it wasn't that this community would just sit around and say, well, if God is going to do all these things, then, you know, we can just sit around and watch what God is doing, like a nice movie on our, on our big screen TVs. Right? Let it roll, God. <laughs> right? I'm just going to sit here and watch the nice movie. Well, the psalmist gets it right, and he says, no... They are the ones who planted the vineyards. They are the ones who sowed the seeds. And then they are the ones who took out the plentiful harvest of the fruit. God does all of that with the participation of God's people. Be it Moses 
be it the priests, doesn't matter. God will do it with whoever is willing to do the work of God. And the psalmist gets it right. Right? Now, Paul talks about that labor. You see, Paul has the foresight of what will happen in the 21st century church. Right? Because what will happen in the 21st century church was happening right there with Paul. <laughs> and what was it? It was a criticism of what the institutionalization of faith does to faith, which was that, hey, and you all have heard this criticism of the church, all what they want is my money. Right? All what they want is my money. That's all what the church wants. If you think it's a 21st century criticism, well, that's what Paul is addressing there as well. Right? And so he says, look, that's why we labored hard so that we were not a burden on you, so that you could never make that criticism of us. That all what we wanted was your money. Though in other places, Paul is very clear that those who labor in the vineyard should be taken care of. <laughs> Right? But in this instance, he wants to address that particular criticism. All what the institutional religion wants is my money. My friends, this, uh, this last week, I uh, came across this Facebook post. It was by someone who was looking for a baptism for their child. And I've never seen that much interest and response to a Facebook post on a Shelton group. Because this person said that I want my child um, baptized and she was specifically critical of the Roman Catholic Church. And, uh, and the criticism was that they want me to attend church. And then they want me to fill out some forms. And then they want me to give. That is exactly why people are leaving the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church. If they don't change their ways, nobody will be there. They should just baptize my child. No questions asked. And there were over 130 comments to the tune of, oh yes, we know, it's so bad. You should look for a more welcoming church. And the thing that really broke my heart, that people who should know better, who at a time were actually related to our congregation, said something 
to the effect of, find yourself an Episcopal church. They don't ask any questions. My friends, my heart is broken. Because if the identity of the Episcopal Church is that it will never ask you to attend church, it will never ask you to give, it will never ask you to do anything to, to plant in the vineyard, then I'm afraid we are not the church that God seeks for its vision to be lived in. I hope that's not true. But with the responses and the number of people, most of whom I don't recognize, it sounded like we were on top of that list of being a church that will never do anything like that. In the name of welcoming. Now, as you would expect from me, I couldn't resist, so I responded. <laughs> and I said, listen, if a church is asking for money to baptize your child, that is plain old wrong. That's wrong. But I highly doubt that that's what's going on. Right? First think about what is baptism? If you are not going to bring your child to church, then why do you want it to be baptized? Right? It's as simple as that. Baptism is to make a commitment to God, to Jesus Christ. If you're not ready for it, it's okay. There's no shame blame on it, right? It's okay. If you're not ready for it, that's okay. But when you are ready for it, then I said, let me know. And if you say a prayer and you feel you're ready for it right now, that you are willing to give your life to Jesus Christ, show up next Sunday, we'll baptize. I'll baptize your child. No questions asked. But be ready to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Because baptism, that water, is no magic. That parting of the waters is also not a magic. <laughs> it is a way that these people experienced their commitment and their God's commitment to them. It was an outward sign of an inward grace. Anyone who has received good Catholic catechism knows what that means. It's sacrament. Right? It has that sacramental value. So, 
Paul has that foresight. And Paul says, listen, we are not here to take your money. But we are here to tell you about the gospel and that we are not going to back away from. <laughs> right? And in my comment, I said, if you were to come here to our church, to St. Paul's, Robin, I mentioned St. Paul's there. <laughs> okay? <laughs> right? Robin says I don't mention it enough. So, <clears throat> right? I mentioned it. And I said, if you were to come here, you will find that we don't even pass the plate anymore. Because we don't believe in taking people's donation. And yet we know that there are bills to be paid. And the people of God find a way nevertheless to continue the mission of God. And you know what happens when someone new comes into our doors? They look around and say, where is the plate? <laughs> right? And then often they'll say to me, oh, where's the plate? And I say, oh, you, would, would you wish to write us a big fat check? Sure, we'll take it. <laughs> it turns into a fun conversation, right? But I can tell you, and probably Charlie will tell you too, that yes, we don't have passing of the plate, but that passing of the plate has literally done no damage to our giving. People who are giving are giving regardless of whether the plate goes before them or it doesn't. And this is the beautiful thing about what we are doing. And I mentioned it in that comment. That regardless of how we may be doing financially as a congregation, we find ways to change the lives of children in Africa with education, with sanitation, and so much more. We find ways to provide a free meal. We don't charge them $6 a meal. We provide free meal every week to inner city kids in New Haven. Trust me, every week it's a challenge how that meal is going to be funded. And yet we do it. Because we did not say we have money to do this. We did not say, hey, now that we have saved up this much money, now let's go and do something good with it. No, we said we are committed to doing this, and God willing, somehow, from somewhere, the money will show up to do this. And every time, every week, it is a challenge, but doors still open. Craig runs into people in big Y <laughs> and doors open. <laughs> right? And that meal happens. The people of God who are committed to planting the seeds in the vineyard are going to be blessed with the resources no matter what. No matter how. And that is what Paul is saying. And here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, look, 
the teachings are right. Everything that these people of the institutional religion are saying is right. You know, everyone who's sitting on the seat of Moses, what they teach, because they teach what Moses was taught, is right. But whatever they're doing, don't. Please don't even think about following them. And my friends, that is the biggest criticism of the church today. It was back then, but it is also today. How do I know it is back then? Because Jesus is making that criticism himself, which is that the church is, the institutional religion in his case, is hypocritical. There is a lot of hypocrisy in it. Now, if my dear friend who made that comment and all those 130 people had said that the church is a hypocritical institution, I would have chimed in and said, you're absolutely right. Because there is a lot of work that we have to do. That is why Jesus says to, and this is so interesting, this is one of the very few times, this is one of the very few times in the Gospels when Jesus isn't talking either to the crowd or to the disciples. It says, Jesus said to the crowds and the disciples, meaning Jesus said it to everyone. <laughs> right? Jesus says it to everyone, listen, you will face this challenge of hypocrisy. You will change. That's the human, you will face this challenge. That is the human condition. Because someone will decide they would like to be served. <laughs> right? Someone will make the rules for the institutional religion that serve them more than serve the vision of God. Someone will do that. That's called the human condition. Right? And you will always have this challenge of hypocrisy amongst you. But do me a favor. Follow the teachings, not the actions of the people taking those big seats wearing big long robes. The word there is phylacteries. <laughs> right? Don't listen to them. Big hats, big robes, don't listen to them. I'm actually serious. Don't listen to them. Listen to what God has given you in the word of God. And do the work of God. And I close today where I closed at the 8 o'clock. I'm proud of this congregation because no matter what we face, we find ways to do the will of God. 
if you were here last night, some of you were. Amazing evening. And for those who have not experienced it or not experienced it in a while, I encourage you really to attend that because there was not only great energy there, but here's what I highlighted at the 8 o'clock. None of the musicians who do that and are now going to be doing it every week, right, get paid for it. And they, some of them travel distances to get here. None of the people who are producing food for it get paid for it. Everybody is giving. <laughs> right? None of the people who are spending all the time setting up and, and cleaning and doing the laundry afterwards, all of it is that labor of love. And we, the people of God who gather here, do that. And you know what the result of that is? Every time there are people there who we have not seen. Right, Robin? That we have never seen before. Every time there are new people who show up. And not just one or two. <laughs> right? And every time there are people who are walking in there with sometimes deep, deep burdens. And the prayers that we have then are absolutely meaningful and wonderful. For people leave that space feeling lo the love of God. That, my friends, is what we are called to do. That is the true worship of our living God. The priest tipping toeing, the charismatic leader going. We are all called to serve in the vineyard of God. And I'm proud of you all as a congregation who are making it all happen right here. And I pray that in the coming days, no matter what the challenges may be, we will rise above and listen to what Jesus says today. Don't listen. Don't do as they do. Don't fall for that. Because when we do what Christ wants us to do, we cannot estimate it, we cannot anticipate it, but the blessing of God is with us. And the land of promise is right there before us to enter. May God continue to bless each and every one of us, and give us the capacity to be true witnesses in the world so that we can dialogue with all those who have a misconception of what a welcoming church truly looks like.